You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, no. <laughs> is that a SpongeBob reference that we just made? I or is it something else? No idea. I just joined in with the, the, the natural inclination of my... The natural inclination of my yeah. soul. Mm-hmm. It just felt appropriate. Yes. wonder if everyone else was singing along. I like to think at least two people did. Joined in right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least two people. Yeah, if you did, at least write in. Please do. Say, hey, I joined in. I sang the ditty. I sang uh, the bit. Yes. Well, all is going well. All is going very well. Great. Yeah. Nary a complaint to share. Nary a complaint to share. Mm. How about you? uh, Fine. I think. Yeah. I I recently discovered, and I'm about to to step into a a conversation that I, to call me a novice would be a gift. (laughs) It would be a compliment. He's a pre-novice. Yeah. So I have some live plants in my house. Oh. Oh, yes. And a, a little while ago, I repotted them. It, it just, it was clear that that was necessary. And so I'm like, well, I want cool stuff to put them in. So I'm like, where are you, Etsy? You know? And it worked because they're, they're pretty neat, actually. It's not like I'm complimenting if I do say so myself. It's not like I made them. I just picked them out. I'm like, cool. So of course I like them. You know, I picked them out. Of course I know. It's me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so one of them, I didn't know this because again, I don't know about plants. I'm just like, I'd like some green in my house. And that was the end of it. But I have something called a hosta, I believe. A hosta. I think so. H-O-S-T-A. Hosta. Somebody listening is like, it's pronounced this way, you idiot. (laughs) And you'd be right, I'm sure. I just thought, I literally, I just saw it. It lows. I'm like, that's green and leafy. Let's get it. Like, that was it. That was the full scope of my decision making. I don't know what it turns into. I don't know how big it gets. This could be a problem someday. I don't know. Well, a few weeks ago, I noticed like this like stem, it was like really there's some growth coming from this. And I'm like, whoa, okay, that doesn't look like it's about to be a leaf. It almost looks like a bud at the end of this. Is that how the leaf looks before it's a leaf? You know, because I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> and then I repotted it and I'm like, hope it doesn't die. It didn't. It bloomed. It has a f- some form of flower bloom. Oh. I wish I could have said that in a way that made me sound more sane. It made it sound like you weren't saying it has an Orlando bloom. And his face just materializes on the plant. <laughs> so I didn't know this thing could flower at all, but it has, in fact, I've, I've experienced the first bloom of a, a home-cared plant. Wow. Yeah. That's very exciting. It feels It feels like, good job, son. You didn't kill it. <laughs> you know? I feel like all of nature Not only itself. did you not kill it, it's apparently yeah. it has features you did not know. <laughs> I didn't. I was like, okay. I thought you were just going to be leaves forever. Amazing. I was happy with that. But lo and behold. You know what you need to do, though, Mm. is you need to check all of your pots that you have your plants in. Mm -hmm. Because I learned recently that, obviously, I'm joking a little bit here because you you (laughs) bought yours from Etsy. But but for you and anyone else who has potted plants, Mm -hmm. this is back in the early 2000s. Someone went into a thrift store somewhere and bought a box to put plants in. Yeah. But the box they bought was interesting because it wasn't a typical box for plants. It was an ossuary, which in case you're wondering, anyways, you don't know, an ossuary is a bone box. Yeah. It's a box that you put bones in, right? The the way it went is back in the ancient days, you had a family tomb, basically. And when you buried your loved one and their body decomposed, you would go back in, take the bones, put it in this box, this ossuary, and then put it on the shelf. And you had like, you know, family tomb. I like to own one of those boxes. So apparently it's very popular, I think, especially like in the Middle East, that kind of area, Mediterranean area, Mm -hmm. 
that you get empty ossuaries and you put plants in them. Whoa, okay. Well, this gentleman bought an ossuary, put his plants in it, and didn't think anything of it, and I guess had this for a couple years. Yeah. And he collected antiques, so he had someone come over to appraise something else entirely different. But the guy who came to appraise it looked at this ossuary and said, oh, do you know what you have here? Because it has an Aramaic inscription on it. And it says, James, the son of Joseph, the brother of Jesus. Oh my word, what? Which, what? the likelihood, of course, that you have a James, the son of Joseph, the brother of Jesus, from the first century. They dated this to the first century. Highly unlikely, because you don't typically name the brother unless he's extremely well-known or significant. Yeah. So when you put all that together, people are like, oh my goodness, <laughs> this is the ossuary that James, the Lord's brother, was probably buried in. That like, is, high yeah. likelihood. Like, again, there's, you know, division between scholars on whether or not, like, oh, is it, is it not? Like, yeah, yeah. but it is dated the first century and the inscription is genuine. Mm. So that's pretty crazy. And anyway, this guy, of course, now, I mean, the bone box, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of a big deal. He's kind mm. of a big deal. I wonder what plant he put in it. That's a good question. he could sell that to the Catholics. <laughs> <laughs> put that in a reliquary real fast. <laughs> this was grown in a bone box. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he wanted like, yeah, all, every plant I put in there, just like the next day, it's like basically a tree. Oh, oh. sorry to any of our, um, I'm not sorry. That's funny. That's, that's legitimately <laughs> hilarious. That's, that's well played. I think anyone who had a good sense of humor should enjoy that. I say it in love. That's exactly right. Oh. So anyway, you know, just check out those. That's a wild. Those pots, you know, that's just yeah. a fun fact for the rest of you. I don't know what you're going to do with that. That's really cool though. But, um. Yeah, I think it's still privately owned, actually, so I don't think it's in a museum anywhere you can go see now. But yeah. anyway, that's mm. uh, that's just for free, you know, just for free. And uh, on a completely different note, <laughs> things that are not good for the soul, they don't, they don't, <laughs> they, don't they may bloom, but in yeah, a different way. They don't lead to growth of a healthy variety. No, 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 no. And uh, to that effect, it is always helpful once in a while to remind ourselves of the subtle forms of certain deadly sins. Oh, yeah. You know, you got to do it. I think we normally expect them to be like these bold, dramatic, even like glamorous displays. Like it's, yes. it's got to be obvious, certainly, because right. it's like this whew, big looming right. thing. But I think it's probably in real life often a lot simpler and mundane. Yes. Mm. Yes, indeed. I agree. And uh, to that end, I was thinking recently, again, in my own life about the sin of sloth in particular, right? And I think it's fair to say that the typical picture of sloth is that of a person, you know, lounging on the sofa, a bag of chips in hand, vegging out in front of a TV all day, <laughs> sure. right? That's the typical, you know, dramatic picture yeah. of someone who's like, they're not working, mm -hmm. they're not contributing anything, they don't help anybody, everything is about them just being lazy. Doing as little as possible, yeah. <clears throat> right, and while sloth certainly can look like that, it can also take on many other forms, yeah. because at its heart, and this is where it gets tricky, the deadly sin of sloth is simply the failure to do the work that love requires of us so this in any situation. That we kind of instantly go to, this almost cliche representation, might actually, I'm thinking, kind of obscure to us a more robust understanding. Yes. Oh, mm. definitely. Definitely. Mm, Which is great. often the problem with caricatures, right? <laughs> yeah, is you exactly. can settle for this caricature that ultimately ends up preventing you from getting into a deeper, fuller, truer understanding mm -hmm. of what's happening. And so, yes, sloth can look like laziness, to be fair. But... It can also look like 
anchoring yourself to your desk at work till 7 p.m. because you don't want to go home to your spouse and try to untangle the knot that you've been working on for three months without success. Mm. Like that would be a form of sloth because it's a failure to do the kind of work that love requires of you. And in that sense, sloth can be far more subtle than we give it credit Mm. for. Yeah, it sounds like some of these even, I don't know how much crossover there is, but it feels like there's an element of procrastination or avoidance that crops up. Yes, it's very interesting you bring that up because I was reading, and I wouldn't recommend this to everybody, but (laughs) I was reading some Stoic philosophers recently. I kind of went through like an ancient Stoic philosophy kick. And um, one of the things that they talk about semi-frequently is how, and they don't use exactly these terms, like procrastination nation mm. is so arrogant because it assumes you'll have a later <laughs> like, and they're like that's just the height of arrogance and hubris to assume like you're like i'll do that tomorrow like oh so you think you're guaranteed tomorrow do you like wow how arrogant of you it's wild how seriously they took that yes they took it very seriously so it is and it is kind of this flip on sloth right mm. which by the way just quick caveat is not to say you're expected to do everything you can possibly do in a given like certainly not there are things you're going to not be able to do in a given day but mm-hmm. like the things that you can do and ought to do. And you're like, nah, I'll wait. That's mm. what they're dealing with there. Yeah. Just so just we're clear. And so when we're guilty of sloth, what we're effectively saying is, I want God or my neighbors or other things to change so that I can stay the same. Oh, man. Right? Like, if I matter so much, I should be able to stay just the way I am, and you need to change. And they need to change. <laughs> and that needs to change. And God needs to change. Yeah. But I'm not going to do anything. Instead of grappling with like the necessary discomfort to grow and change and even repair. Right. Mm. Which to your point, very well stated, it is not comfortable. Right. Yeah. Right. Like that's the whole, if it were easy, yeah, everybody would do it. No everybody would, would change. No one would you know? do sloth if it was Right. Easy. <laughs> yeah. Like if it was easy, you know, your spouse or your kid or your boss or whoever that you're like, I wish they would change so I wouldn't have to. Like, well, if, yeah, if it were easy, I guess they would have already, but it's not easy yeah. for anybody. So to borrow an insight from And Lamont, while it's true that we all do indeed matter because we bear God's image, and while it's true that God does indeed love us as we are, he also loves us too much to let us stay the same. So that comes back again to the antithesis of sloth is this sort of love that changes us and changes often painful and hard. Like there's just really, you know, the, uh, you'll have to forgive me because aside from scriptural quotations the only other thing i think in in regular terms is narnia references and lord of the rings (laughs) references but it's uh like the moment in the voyage of the dawn treader when one of the characters eustace has turned into a dragon because he hoarded gold for himself Mm -hmm. and then uh he can't get the dragon scales off yeah and so aslan says i'll have to do that for you and it hurts yeah in fact the sort eustace says it hurt like bullio but then it (laughs) felt like amazing afterwards to be changed but Again, if it were easy, yeah, like everyone would do it. And that's the point is like, yeah, it can feel like a lion tearing at your heart when you have to change. So put another way then, sloth is a deadly sin because it subversively rots our ability and willingness to love God like no one else and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And to the great point you brought up at the beginning of this discussion, it oftentimes looks so inconsequential because it's not for most of us, the I'm going to sit on the couch all day and do nothing mm-hmm. that happens. It looks more like overlooking the quote unquote little things and taking the easy way out and simply assuming that everything is fine with our spouses, children, whoever, or even with God. Mm-hmm. But when we find ourselves unwilling to do even the little things because they feel too difficult or strenuous or taxing, we are indulging in sloth. 
And the resulting fallout, if not immediately, will eventually be nuclear in proportion. <laughs> right. And it will affect not just us, but everyone around us. Yeah, it's a very quiet and unassuming in this like day-to-day practice, but like it's like a death by a thousand cuts. Yes, like, yes. If, if you continue like shirking these small gestures or shaving away at the effort that you put into relationships, like the small expressions of responsibility, if you continue to kind of forsake that or shave away like you have nothing left right like eventually they've all gone to the wayside and there's little relationship left right for you to salvage yes exactly or even in the realm of like your work if you're constantly cutting corners you know i mean like think about how truly pains me that this is a problem but even in the church world how many pastors recently had gotten into trouble for plagiarizing sermons Mm. i read I didn't read the article, so, you know, someone may want to go read it and see what it's actually all about. But I just saw a headline where a pastor was promoting the use of AI, like Mm. ChatGPT, to write your sermons for you. Why would you promote that? Brother. Yeah, that's the, that's the, like, you know, like, wonder, like, why are you, you know, maybe it was clickbait, maybe you had something else to say, but like, it was like, it sounded like, oh, like, oh, but that's like, there are things about that. It's like, yeah, like, okay, writing a sermon or making art or doing whatever, like, if you're going to do good work yeah. and whatever it is, it's hard to yeah. do that well. And if you start cutting corners, even in little things, like, okay, that's going to be trouble, you know, just on the the same level as like, yeah, you're cutting corners in the relationship, going to create problems for the relationship. And here's a rather surprising example. At least I think it's surprising. I don't know. Maybe everyone else is like, Dodge Osai, we've all known that all along from the beginning. <laughs> but here's a rather surprising example of sloth from the scriptures. It's in the story of Mary and Martha in Luke 10, 38 through 42, which you all probably remember. Martha And Mary are two sisters. And Martha is the one who's slaving away in the house trying to serve Jesus. So Mm -hmm. they have Jesus into the house. And Martha's slaving away trying to serve him and take care of everything, being a very good hostess. Meanwhile, Mary is sitting at the feet of Christ, just soaking in his teaching. And that's it. Just like sitting there listening. Ostensibly to the naked eye doing nothing. Right? right? Yeah, right. I mean, obviously listening to teaching takes effort. But like when you have a room in which there's a Martha and a room in which there's a Mary, you typically look at the Mary and be like, what's wrong with you? What are you doing? Right? Which is exactly what Martha does. She basically scolds Jesus. (laughs) To imagine being in that spot, (laughs) you scold the Lord, which never goes like, you see a couple people try that in scripture. Like, nah, don't. you don't scold the Lord. Yeah. It's not, that's not, that doesn't go well. And she, she says basically like, hey, tell Mary to come help me out in the kitchen. You know, like, come on, what are we doing here? <laughs> she only listens to you apparently. Yeah, right, right. But Jesus, of course, rebukes Martha and says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Oh, that's got a sting. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, like you're attending to all of these details. And, and then hearing, you have chosen poorly. <laughs> right, to quote the last crusade, that's a rough one, man. That is. <laughs> a little Indiana Jones reference in there. Yeah, no, I mean, that would sting. Because Martha has chosen to do the easy thing that comes naturally rather than the hard thing for her. <sighs> okay, right? this is interesting. Yeah, which for her is to leave the work in the house alone for a bit and let Jesus speak into our life. Mm. Because sometimes, as I'm sure we can all attest, it's easier to do loads and loads of work in the office or the kitchen or the yard than it is to say, sit in stillness before the Lord, open Bible, and do some hard heart work with him Mm. and let him do that in you. Like, that's much harder. I think it's 
such a helpful, like clarifying detail that you've drawn out. Like all of that work to me that she's doing, that sounds like quite a fuss, you know, <laughs> like it really does. It sounds like she, and I, I, I'm not the first person to note this, but it, it sounds like she's running herself ragged and mm-hmm. not, not only is it thankless, it earns a rebuke. Yeah. What the heck? <laughs> but like, then again, that, that doesn't necessarily come naturally to me. So it mm-hmm. looks like she's doing this impressive, difficult, arduous thing. No. Like to me, the personal conversation is the more appealing offer. Right. Um, that does not sound like the hard thing, but it, it makes me wonder, like, what is that for me that I would be so willing to fill my time with like seemingly useful things to, mm-hmm. in actuality, avoid what is necessary and good. Right, right. So, like, clearly it's not always the most apparent thing. No, no. And I think, again, the, the takeaway from this little account is not, oh, you shouldn't serve and work hard and do of course. those things. Yeah. But I think exactly what we've been saying is that part of Martha's difficulty was the thing that she needed to do that would have been harder in the moment mm-hmm. she was avoiding, and that's sloth. So, you know, there's it's almost a sense in which, bizarrely, like, oh, if it comes much easier to you to busy yourself with many things and serve, 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 and never stop, that can be sloth, mm. strangely enough. Yeah. Like, you may be thinking, like, I'm nowhere near sloth. I work way too hard for that. Right. Ooh, like, but do you? You know, is there like, you know what I mean? Like, not even yeah. like in a, you know, I'm not the Lord, so I'm not going to, you know, accuse you or anything, but like, there may be heart work that you're not doing yeah. because it's like, well, that's hard for me. Mm-hmm. And contrary wise, like for me, same thing. Like I'm much more the, I'll just sit and I'll contemplate and think all day and have the conversation. But like, oh, we need to go out and like help yeah. do this thing. Like, yeah. okay, well, I, I probably need to do that, mm-hmm. you know, because there are times where I'd rather not yeah. do that. Kind of yeah. like when Moses... Is it Moses or Joshua? Now I'm blanking on which one of the two it is. Shame on me. But they're they're bowed in prayer before the Lord, and he finally has to be like, it's time to get up. Like, you need to go. Mm. There's stuff to do. So again, sloth can look like couch potato laziness, certainly. But it is not only that. It is a failure in any circumstance to do the mundane, monotonous, difficult work that love requires. So, might be a time to ask ourselves, is there something in my life that I am avoiding at any and all cost because it feels just too hard to do or too tedious to follow through with or too humdrum to really matter? Mm. Because if there is, it's a high likelihood that sloth has crept into your soul and uh, you might look up one day and suddenly notice a mushroom cloud expanding overhead, wondering, how did we get here? Like, well, sloth, it snuck in and it has nuclear consequences. And, and that's why doing our duty and acting courageously is considered virtuous, right? Because when we fulfill our duty, we do the work that love requires even when we're not thanked for it and even when we don't feel like doing it, mm-hmm. right? Which is a, that's a high skill set to <laughs> cultivate, especially in the kind of the afterglow of the romantic era where it's like, oh, we do things because we feel like doing it. Like that's, right. it has to be authentic, right? And again, authenticity is good when we're using it appropriately. But like, as we often have discussed on this podcast, like if you waited to do the right thing till you felt like it, yeah. there are lots of times you're not going to do the right thing because yeah. you don't feel like doing it. So that's why duty is considered virtuous and courage because when you're courageous, you're doing the work that love requires even when you might be afraid to do it, mm. right? Like there is some hard work that's, frightening to do. Absolutely. So it takes the power of the spirit by faith in Christ to attack sloth and to do the hard work that love requires. And uh, so the easy to say but hard to accomplish way of rooting out sloth then is to simply stop doing the easy things and start doing hard things, Mm. which you have to do by faith. But, you know, if we don't, then yeah, sloth, it'll get in there and it will not be good. Mm. So, and you got to think all of the so-called deadly or 
uh, some other people call them capital sins are like that. Yeah. You know, they're all, you know, whether it's wrath, envy, whatever the case may be, can all be very subtle and insidious. Mm. So interesting. I, I love like the conversations where we end up kind of exploring something that like it, I think at first glance, you think is pretty simple, straightforward, but actually a more like a robust understanding is far more complex and mm-hmm. far reaching. The, uh, the other conversation that comes to mind that we've had here is about bearing false witness. Oh yeah. Like mm-hmm. so much more nuanced and full yes. of like things that demand careful thought. It's just like yes. never would have guessed. Yeah, that's right. But that's uh, part of uh, not being slothful is to slow yeah. down enough to be able to think through those things. Yeah. So hopefully we can help you do that just a little bit here mm. at the Horizons Church Podcast. And on that note, thank you for listening. And if you found this content helpful, you know, this, this opened up your eyes to a few things, you know, and you, you don't want to be slothful and you want to leave us an honest five-star review. <laughs> See, that was, that was wrong. I probably shouldn't have done that. If you want to leave us one, love to hear it. No big deal if not. And as always, if you have any questions on this or any other topic, feel free to email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net. Mm. Thank you as always for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Mm.